What's up, guys? It's your host, Yavitsa Djurjevic. Today, we got JT Barnett on the podcast. Awesome, awesome conversation. Former professional hockey player, you know, retired now, still in his 20s, figuring out life, building a brand out in Los Angeles. Talked about a lot of cool stuff, everything from the discipline of hockey and, you know, playing it on a professional level to the struggles of losing your identity, really seeking help through therapy and how that's okay. And found it to be a fun conversation super cool guy as i said and check him out on uh, social media you can see all the links in the description and we'll take it from there enjoy jt what's up man what's up bro so i've got jt barnett with me today and i'm really excited about this conversation jt's kind of a renaissance man he's just all over the place he's uh the host of the podcast curious with jt barnett on um iTunes and all the other medias that you can use to to listen to you podcasts, but he's just got a really interesting story. He's an interesting guy, and I'm I'm really excited to to talk today. But for the folks listening, give us a give us a ten thousand foot view of who uh, JT is. All right, Topol. First, thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Um, JT Barnett. Um, so I guess to give you the uh, the quick little rundown, I'm a professional hockey player who just recently retired. Uh, I played professional for six years. I played in the U.S. and then uh, played two years in Europe. I played in France for a year and I played in Russia for a year. Um, And to go back even before that, I grew up in between California and Arizona. My family was all in hockey. My dad worked in it. So that was my life. Um, And while I was playing hockey, I was also into other stuff, different types of art. I was a, a music producer. I was doing, I was really into clothing, into different fashion stuff. Um, and during my last year, while I was playing in France, um, I decided to start my podcast called Curious. Um, I was living abroad and wanted to just kind of put some different thoughts and ideas and stuff that I was into out into the world and uh, decided that podcast would probably be my easiest and um, most approachable way of doing it. So I went with that and that brings me to where I'm at now. So now I'm not playing anymore. Uh, too many injuries. That was the reason that I stopped and um, and have decided to to move on with other stuff. And now I'm living in LA with my girlfriend and uh, getting into the um, the kind of media, social media, content creation, uh, entrepreneurial type of world. So I love it. In a little nutshell. I love it. I love it. Well, and you're a lot cooler than I am from the podcast standpoint because you actually put your uh, live stream up on YouTube. I'm not. I'm not brave enough to do that. Dude, you know how hard that is? I don't think I'm going to do it anymore. It's, 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 if you don't have somebody doing that on the back end, it just takes a long time. Yeah, so Adam, the co-host, we actually talked about that. And I looked at, just like you said, I looked into doing it and I was like, nah. <laughs> it's like this, yeah. this podcast is enough hard work as it is. I really don't feel like putting that bad boy out there too. You know what the other good thing about audio is? So I, I really like video. Like, I mean, ideally for me, um, if I were to be able to do video and audio, that'd be, I mean, that's a dream come true. Like YouTube type stuff where I'm not the one that has to edit at all. I mean, that's great. Yeah. But um, for me, the audio stuff was like way more, was, it was, was getting to people more. Like there was way more people listening to my audio than, I mean, if you see the YouTube videos, there's like, we were working on them for like three hours, me doing like the exporting and having to put it together and that kind of stuff um, for it to like get viewed by like, you know, a hundred people as opposed to the podcast was just more. So it just wasn't worth it for me. And the other thing that I realized now that I'm deciding to just do audio more is 
you can talk to so many more people like me and you are doing right now without video. And when we were focusing on video, we were like, oh, we can't, we can't talk to that person because they can't, they don't live in LA and they can't come over here and get in our studio. And then we can't do video. It was just a lot. It was just a lot more than just, you know, let's get on a call. You have an hour. Let's do this. You need a phone with a microphone in it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit easier. Well, and when you think about reaching a larger audience of people, you know, watching a YouTube video, you have to be in front of a computer. You have to be pretty much not doing anything else. Whereas with a podcast, you can listen to it on your commute to work. So I, I totally get it. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm assuming the people listening are, are understanding what I mean when I say Renaissance, man. You're just, you've got your hands in all kinds of different avenues. And that's what's exciting about this conversation. So let's take a little step back. So you, you play professional hockey, which is one of the most intense, fun sports to watch. So very jealous because uh, it's a lot of fun. And all of you guys have got great flow. And, and uh, I can appreciate appreciate good flow uh, as yeah, a man absolutely. with good hair myself. So what, what was that like? I mean, talk to us as a young man, you're making money, you're playing, you're, you're playing the sport that you dreamed growing up. T- tell us about it. So for me, um, like I said, hockey was my life. Like, I mean, I grew up two years old, was on skates. Um, and then by the time I was 15, I was moving away to Canada. So I moved away and, um, and lived with random families from the ages of 15 to 20 for my seasons. Um, so for me, it was cool. It was great. It was, it was everything that, um, you know, that you want from a sport aside from, like you said, you're getting paid. I mean, the minors, uh, isn't as much money as people would think. So it's not, you're not walking away with, you know, retirement money, but the experiences that I had from hockey, um, I'll never, I'll never, um, geez, what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? I will never be grateful enough uh, because, you know, the the values that you learn while you are living on your own as a, as a man, as a person, uh, by yourself, you know, and um, and also the camaraderie that you have with your teammates and going to war, going to battle into, in a group environment, kind of going towards the same common goal, uh, going through the trenches with other people that you're with every day and uh, that you see like ups and downs with and it's a it's a unique experience that you know anybody that is in sports that has played team sports before knows that is is a little different than you know working a normal job or um, some nine to five stuff that you would do. So I'm extremely extremely grateful for it, and that's that's just the work of it. But the aside from that, like the the places I got to travel to, the different experiences that I got to have. Um, it eternally, eternally grateful for them. And yeah, so now it's, it's on to the next chapter, but so much to be thankful for. So what was that like? I mean, you said you were on skates when you were two years old, going off to Canada at 15, becoming, becoming a professional, you know, once you retire and you hang up your skates metaphorically, what was that identity transition like? Because obviously it's a huge part of your life and now it's going, not, not saying that it completely disappears, Cause I'm sure you probably still play for fun or enjoy watching it or whatever it may be, but it's not your day in, day out, what you're giving a hundred percent to every single day now. Yeah, bro. Now we're getting, now we're getting into it. So for me, uh, this is, this is a great, it's a great topic. Um, cause for me, like, you know, I would even say that I, even while I was playing hockey was, it wasn't my whole identity. Like, while I was, when I was growing up, like I said, was always in art and fashion, music and doing other stuff. 
Um, so for me, hockey was a huge part of it. But it wasn't even while I was playing, I still was, you know, into a little bit of different stuff. But having said that, it was a huge part of me. So the transition of letting that part of me go or or transitioning into something else without having that has been tough. Like, I mean, I won't put it any other way. It's been challenging. It's been some of the lowest lows that I've felt. Uh, but it's also a challenge where you know that something good is coming out of it. And there it's, it's like another door is opening up. So a lot of the challenges that, you know, you face when you get, when you end something like that, like a career, uh, are, are difficult because they're different. It's not necessarily that they're bad. It's not necessarily that they're like unhandleable. It's just that you're not used to it. And when you play, I mean, when you play a professional sport, um, it's it's different than a nine to five that you go and you clock in and you clock out. And when you come home, you know, you have like your life separate. Like if you're a professional athlete, that's your life. So like you're thinking about it all the time. You're doing it all the time when you're not at the rink or when you're not, you know, at the arena, you're still kind of in that mode you know you're doing the recovery stuff you're probably what i mean most of these guys are probably watching hockey or they're probably playing you know even if they're playing video games they're probably playing with their teammates so everything that you're doing is revolving around that kind of ecosystem like that hockey you know mindset so when you get out of that i mean this is just my experience but when i have been getting out of that um even though i still had the little tinge of me that wasn't a hockey player while i was playing like the the big part of me that was a hockey player and was so used to seeing 30 guys every day and you know guys some guys talking shit to you and some guys like being your boys and like you just like messing or just to, to always messing around with each other and the physicality and you know kind of having your day always planned for you like the you're gonna go to the rink you're gonna practice you're gonna get off the ice you're gonna you know go home eat you're gonna be with your friends and then you're gonna go to bed and wake up and you're gonna go to game day you know so it's all kind of laid out for you when you get out of that and you step into kind of like oh what the fuck am i doing today it's yeah it can be very scary and it can be like who the fuck do i go to i don't have a coach right now i don't have a like i don't don't have a contract i don't have like teammates that are like doing the same shit as me so it's so it's just it's just different and it's you know it's for me it was it's been fucking tough man like it's it's been now i'm kind of transitioning out of it being really tough and getting into where i'm you know, I'm enjoying it or I'm more comfortable with it. But like, you know, there's tons of people that are coming out now with it saying like it's real with, you know, stories of it being really, really, really hard. And when I was planning on retiring, I was like, yeah, it's, you know, I'm, I've been in other shit. It's going to be easy. I didn't say easy, but I was like, I've been in other shit. Like it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be too challenging for me that I, it's not going to be that different. And, uh, and you know, it has been, and, I'm so grateful for it and I'm so pumped for what is going to come out of this. Um, but yeah, to just to answer your question, yeah, it's difficult ups and downs, but a great challenge. Well, and, and the hard part of it is, so you're, you're only 26, so you're still young. I mean, for the love of God, your prefrontal cortex isn't even developed until you're 25. Yeah. So you're going through all these different things while you're building your identity as a man. And just me envisioning you in that situation, I feel the, you mentioned it, it can take you to the lowest of lows and how it's really consuming when you're when you are a professional athlete. And we've had several current and former professional athletes 
really on the show and, and they pretty much say that's the same thing. But once once you lose that structure, once you lose that coach, once you lose that camaraderie, how do you how did you fill that void without going crazy? I mean, what do you do to recreate that structure for yourself, especially as you're continuing to develop yourself as a young man? Because, you know, hopefully you got another 60, 70 years to live. Yeah, exactly. Um, for me, like when I when I got done, I was lucky to have the podcast and have other stuff that I was doing, like like for example, this social media, Instagram stuff that I was already enjoying. So it was I didn't come in it with absolutely nothing, but to to fill the the kind of vibe that you have with a team, with the camaraderie and that kind of thing, for me it's been um, pivotal to have a close group of friends. Uh, like my friends have been. Um, instrumental in that in that kind of area and not even to the point where like i'm telling them all like yo i'm really struggling like you know can you help me can you do this for me but just to be around people a lot uh has has really helped and then also a huge part of it for me um which i am really blessed with is that i have a girlfriend that is extremely supportive and has helped me so much through it um without those two things i honestly don't know i don't know um how much harder it would have been, but the support group that I've had, um, and, and I don't, and I don't mean just like sitting down and them talking everything out with you, but just like, you know, people that are good energy that have a good vibe to them that are doing, trying to make th- something of themselves that are uplifting, that are, you know, not bringing you down even more. Like when you're in a struggling time, that's really important. And, um, that's something that really helped me. And then the third thing that I will say that that transitioned everything for me when I hit my lowest of lows uh, has been to start going to therapy. Uh, and that's, mm. that's something that is a little bit of a stigma, I think. I mean, for me, it never has been. But I, but, you know, I, I do think that there's the whole like, you know, buzzword of mental health being a, a, a stigma and there being a, a negative, like you have a problem and that kind of stuff. I never really looked at it that way, but I do think that it should be talked about a ton more because I think people are people are going through shit. Maybe even if they don't recognize it, um, people are going through shit, and and fucking therapy just helps so much. Like it's helped me. And so it's been it, it, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, thing that has pushed me in the right direction. Yeah, I think that's key right there because you know there is a stigma around it, especially amongst men. I mean, we don't. A lot of us don't want to talk about it. A lot of us feel that there's societal pressure on us really not giving in to uh, what we would consider mental weakness or, or whatever it may be. But the reality of the situation is sometimes you got to talk through things and you need to have a impartial third party that can just totally. help guide you back. Totally. It's 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 really hard sometimes to find find guidance in life, especially as you know technology becomes more sophisticated. We're all more connected, but we don't know our neighbors. You know, we don't we don't have the same community that we used to have. We don't have the same you know spiritual guidance that we used to have. We and it's not that's not going to go back anytime soon. We're only going to become more isolated as time goes on. But hopefully, we also learn to be comfortable with connecting with others as time goes on. So I, I want to stay on this topic a little bit. So. You go to therapy again, you know, if somebody checked out your Instagram, they'd be like, oh, look, this good looking former professional athlete, you know, he's got his whole life together. But then behind the scenes, you know, you're going to therapy. What what helped you? What helped guide you in in that specific 
instance and that specific, you know, treatment as you were approaching. Yeah. So that, that's a great point though, because, um, just to touch on that, like my Instagram and me as a person, like I'm all about, um, positivity and like being uplifting and motivation. And like, you know, I've always been notoriously the guy in the group that is laughing and having a good time and like bringing people up and like, I was never really like a shit talker. Like, I mean, I fought while I was playing. I fought quite a bit, but like I would, I, I just did it just for my team. I wasn't like really actually pissed off all the time. Like I just, you know, I'm, I'm notoriously more of a, a happy person. And so my Instagram reflects the times when I am happy and there, or when I'm, you know, when I'm trying to bring out that part of me uh, that I'm posting it for myself, you know, kind of like as a motivation, like, this is let's fucking go here you know so i i also try to post the the stuff that is real like the low shit um but at the same time like you, you know there's a there's a line between um social media being a personal social media and it being a brand and if you're doing something as a brand which is what i've kind of transitioned into um there, there's things that are and aren't for your brand and so to just to keep going into what you were saying um with uh, where did I kind of lost it well, um with guys I think that it's 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 one thing to to be like I don't I don't want to go talk to someone but I also think that there's a lot of people that don't know what what is going on with them like they don't even know that they you know there is a reason that you know they're feeling certain ways at certain times but like you said, that stigma of the the kind of like cliche of you're a guy, push through it. Don't worry about it. Like, let's keep going. Like, you know, it's almost a, a little, it can get into a little bit of avoidance uh, and involuntarily, like not even knowing that you're avoiding something like this is all, this is all just personal to me. Like my, I mean, if you rewind um, five months ago on my podcast, when I came back, it was the highest I've ever been in my life. Like the happiest I've ever been in my entire life was when I was done with hockey and was here and had moved into LA and I was doing the podcast and it was, I mean, if you listen to them, like I'm happy, I'm just like fucking super joyful. And that was authentic. There was no faking it. It was just that I didn't know, you know, some of the stuff that I was going through with hockey. I didn't know that that stuff was going to surface. I didn't know that that stuff was kind of surfacing. So I would go, you know, two weeks feeling amazing and then all of a sudden I would have like a panic attack or I would have like an anxiety attack or just like, you know, break down and have no fucking reason why. And it, and I, and I would just keep going on with my day. I would just be like, ah, it's okay. Like, let's just keep doing the podcast. Let's just keep doing the other work, like the other Instagram stuff, the other, you know, stuff that you're doing, the coaching, like it's not a big deal. And I kept doing that shit. And over the last like three months uh, before this previous month, the the time in between those like breakdowns or anxiety attacks would get shorter to the point where it was like happening like every other day or every third day or like you know to where I, my my circle of like with the things that I would go and do that would be triggering me into those became smaller and smaller because I was trying to avoid those things that would trigger me um and so this is another thing about what you were just saying this is what I want to say is you were just saying that like the the um, the isolation part of the whole, you know, society right now. And I think for me is like, and I th think for everyone is like, 
back in the day without phones, without social media, without, you know, TVs everywhere, without information everywhere, it was harder to get triggered by things. So yep. you you could have a problem where it's like, you know, for example, like say some ex-girlfriend or something like that triggered triggered you when you saw a picture of her. Like back in the day, this is what I would assume for, you know, my parents and stuff. When you were broken up with that girl, if she lived, you know, 10 miles away, you weren't seeing her every day. And so to multiply that by about 100 with how much information there's, you can see everybody at every second and everything's on the internet and everybody's on their phones all the time. It's like the the amount of opportunity for you to get pulled into something like some kind of thing to trigger you is just like supersized right now. So that's why I think the isolation thing is on such a on such an upswing is because all of these people that have these, you know, little problems that they probably could avoid their whole life if there was no phones are now seeing these things pop up every single day. And then there's they're wanting to know more about them so that they can, you know, like kind of figure it out or kind of like keep tabs on, you know, say it's an ex-girlfriend or an ex-boss or what old company, whatever. And it's there's just so much availability of it that you like at times can't escape it or feel like you can't escape it which is where the i think the increase comes into the the isolation and the people feeling more anxious, more down, more depressed is just cuz there's less of an av- ability to get away from it. You know, and so to answer your question for me, the thing that the the thing that pushed me into um feeling good or, you know, whatever is is being like, yo, I'm fucking struggling right now. Like, you know, I'm a happy dude. I'm always I know I'm normally happy. I know that lately I'm fucking miserable or or not miserable but just i'm having these moments of like panic or just tons of fear like let me go get some fucking help like let me te- le- like let me extend this conversation to a person that knows what they're talking about that has done this before has seen this before and and that was that i mean that changed everything that changed everything for me yeah what you were talking about particularly with the with the ex-girlfriend or ex-boyfriend or whatever it may be so I'm a big believer and once we're broken up like I'm I'm eliminating you from my life not because I want some resentment or hate or anger towards the individual but just like what you said like if we break up which I'm married now so that's not happening but just in uh in in experiences past you know if we have something going on and then we break up what's the point of constantly keeping tabs tags uh, tabs on each other and I think a lot of us would be better off if if there are certain things that anger us or make us upset or whatever maybe being strategic about eliminating those things from our life whether it's social media whether it's you know taking a fast from social media and stopping you know participating for a while or or eliminating certain people or even just taking them off your feed or whatever it may be because I think that's a really really good point and I never really I think I'd thought about it, but I hadn't articulated the way you had just articulated it, that there are just so many different things that can bring up all these angers or feelings or emotions or whatever it may be that weren't around 30 years. You know, 30 years ago, you moved 10, 10 miles down the road and start a new life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like I, daddy went for cigarettes. I, I completely agree. I, and I think, especially for younger kids, um, it's it's so much more toxic now than it, than it was even when I was younger um, with instagram and stuff the way that it's growing um i would i completely agree with with uh, like if that's if it ends like you know take the time and and truly like let it go um so that you can heal because 
Um, if you are getting, you know, seeing that stuff and getting pulled into that stuff, like it's, it's kind of keeping that knife in you and just like turning it, you know, a little bit more every time. Um, and I also think that the reason, like you said something about like, why do they even, why even bother going? Look, I think that they're for a lot of kids when that, when they do get hurt like that is there's like almost an obsessional component to it to where they get hurt by someone and instead of like letting it go and healing from it they want to know everything that that person is doing um so to understand it to make sense of it to you know figure it out so they go 10 times harder into i want to know what they're i'm going to watch them and they can you know follow them and you know all uh, not like per- in person i mean maybe they're hopefully not that crazy but i mean like on instagram and stuff just keeping tabs all the time just to you know not let themselves heal which is tough um but i i agree i think that you gotta you gotta get distance you gotta let yourself heal and um and it can be it can be a a troubling thing hey have you watched the show you on netflix i have not what is it you should watch it it's about a guy who's stalking a girl and it's actually really good like my wife started watching it and i was just like oh i'm not gonna watch this and then i got into it so it's actually oh god is it is it like a documentary is it just like a a fake fiction one no it's it's yeah it's a it's a it's a netflix original it's a show um yeah so it's it's 10 episodes but it's it's actually pretty interesting so um it just gives a good perspective of how the individual who's stalking somebody never actually thinks that they're stalking them like they think they're doing this for the other person's benefit and it makes you think yeah totally i mean that totally makes sense too it's like they're they don't they don't even realize it they don't recognize it but i think even on a smaller scale than that even like the stalking like actually following someone like you know if you're going onto your feet every day and looking at the same person that you know you no longer talk to or something there's a probably a little bit of a reason there that you're doing that and it's probably not like this the most healthy yeah no it it's uh it's it's interesting but so i, I want to go back to the getting help part so what are some of the things and you don't have to go into like the most excruciating detail of your life because obviously there's a certain level of privacy between yourself and whoever you're getting therapy with but what are what are some of the things that have helped you get out of that low of lows? Like, it, what are certain strategies around your organizing your day, or, or just talk to us about? Yeah, that. so um, like I said, man, I did, like I had no fucking clue that any of the shit that was coming up was was even bothering me like my whole life. I had no clue, and um, if you listen to my podcast, like I I have done a lot of different things i've i've dabbled into a lot of different kind of areas of you know health wellness motivational speaking spirituality um different like you know speakers reading their books and different kind of um different kind of ideologies and um and i and like i said i was authentically feeling great but those the things that were coming up were just like making me want to be like all right let's let's go and talk to someone and so when i went and talked to the girl I literally sat down and I, and I was going into this, I was going into this session thinking that my problems, like the shit that's going on with me is never, ever, ever going to be able to be figured out by someone. Like they're going to look at me and be like, I'm crazy. Like you're okay. <laughs> I, honest, I'm not even joking. I honestly thought that the person was going to be like, Hey, look, uh, you wrote a new book on this. Like we don't have this kind of, you know, understanding of what you're going through. So, 
let's put you on a ton of medication and let's just hope for the best. Like I was like, fuck, like I don't, I don't even really understand it. So there's no way they will. And I went in and sat down and told this girl like what was going on with me. Just like, hey, I'm having panic attacks. Da, 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 da. Like I'm a- anxious all the time. Like this kind of stuff is bothering me. This kind of stuff is bothering me. And in literally, I'm not joking, five seconds, she was like, okay, you have this and you're doing this. And she was like, and both of them are not a big deal at all. We've, I've seen this a ton of times. I've been through this handfuls of times. I could write the book on this. You could write the book on this. Like, this is just like to- totally like, um, totally like a textbook of this symptom or this situation, you know? Um, and just hearing that of her, of her being like, Hey, you're going to be fine. Uh, you got like stuff to, to work through, but like, you know, this isn't anything new was like super, super relieving. Um, and from that point forward, like seeing her every single day, I've learned something new that, you know, I had kind of, um, not purposely, but, um, kind of accidentally avoided while I was playing. And that goes back to like, you know, as a professional athlete, when you're so focused on one thing your whole life, you don't see a lot of the stuff that you bury, you know, deep down. Um, you don't care about it because, you know, you have something that's bigger than that, which is your dream of the the sport. Um, yeah. And so for me, it was like different things that, that I had gone through um, when I was younger as a kid, like, you know, leaving home and just like simple things like that, like that, you know, as a kid, early stages could be hard on you. But, you know, like I said, the dream is bigger than that. So you don't even recognize it in the moment. Um, just like little things like that, just point, just her pointing them out and being and saying like, well, how did this make you feel? And maybe like this thing is that's coming up is kind of tied back to this event that happened. And I never had like a traumatic, you know, upbringing. I came from a healthy household, like, you know, we- wealthier family. Like it was never anything like that people would listen to my story and be like, Oh my God, like, I can't believe you went through that. But it was unique to me. And it was, you know, deep enough for me to it be surfacing right now when I'm not playing and having the time for it to service that it was like, uh, this is, this kind of is, is heavy now, but to just to what you were saying, like the, the, the stuff that she had told me, um, understanding myself, and then leaving and taking like I take notes when I'm there, uh, leaving and having that those notes. So like when things do come up to be like, oh, maybe this is about this. Um, and then like just coming back into myself, going a little bit more inward uh, and just like kind of looking at myself like, hey, what, you know, what part of me is this really bothering or what what kid and what like younger version of me is this like really hurting right now? Because, you know, I'm safe where I'm at. Nothing's really going on where I'm at right now. Um, just like that, the little kind of tips and stuff that she's given me have, have helped immensely. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting because we, human beings were creatures of habit. You know, like you said, you thought you wrote the book on, uh, the things that you were struggling with, but then in reality, like plenty of other people have been through what you've been through, but it feels like it's us against the world. And, and it's constant like that, not just in that scenario, but I mean, you mentioned, you know, if you want to tell the folks listening, like what your expectations were of playing in Russia versus what the reality was, same deal. You thought you had it figured out and then it was completely different. Yeah, totally. It's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like, um, different expectation versus, versus reality. And I was doing a different podcast when we were talking about this and it was like, you know, what would be the one thing that you would have changed 
when you were playing and it was like for me it would have been like enjoying exactly where i'm at uh and enjoying the process of it rather than like holding on to the not holding on but like making the um the dream of making the nhl be the only way that i'm gonna be happy or be like the the way i'll finally achieve happiness or fulfillment that's good. so yeah so like you know while i was playing and i mean my 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 answer to that question might change might have changed a little bit now that i've going going through therapy and like kind of understanding myself more but i still do think that like while i was playing like i had this idea of you know i need to be in the nhl i really want to be in the nhl like and and that was going to make me finally be happy rather than like okay i'm i'm at the i'm fucking in juniors right now like this is sick i i love this you know there's all there's kind of like that ladder of like when you get to the top then you'll then it's made and if i were to have switched that perspective and been like yeah that is the goal but like i'm pumped about where i'm at and i and i really truly enjoy the process well then all of the other shit doesn't really matter cuz you're pumped with where you're at and you know you're working your best in the mo- in the present moment um and oh and sorry i kind of just got off track there but to, to go back to what you were saying with russia um yeah for me like my expectations of russians were like dude these guys even going before even going even before i was going there people were like dude you're gonna go to russia like everybody there is gonna fucking hate you and it was right around donald trump too with like the stuff with you know the uh, like the disagreements with putin and stuff it was just like this is going to be terrible for you and people aren't going to like you. And the Russians are mean and cold and angry. And like I was telling you earlier, like I, now that I'm left Russia, like I still talked to a lot of the guys that I li- that I lived with over there. I made some unbelievable friends. Uh, I had a great experience and my perception on Russians has completely changed. I actually fucking love Russians now. I think they're <laughs> sick. I think they're great. Any, anytime I hear someone speaking Russian, I go up to them like you're from Russia. I lived in Moscow and I lived in Habarovsk and I lived in um, Chekhov and like there, I mean, I love it. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it because, you know, I try to tell people all the time, you know, just, and not that I'm some special creature. I it just due to, you know, forces of circumstances, I've lived in several different countries of, you know, I don't remember a time in my life where I wasn't at least bilingual. You know, it's, it's just kind of forced me to experience different folks just throughout my life. And that's what I always try to encourage people because I think it does open your eyes to understand that, hey, we're all basically the same. I mean, we, yeah, we might have different backgrounds, but we all basically suffer from the same exact crap. We all want our families to be happy and to live happy lives. We want to be able to take care of the people we want to take care of. We all experience sadness. We all experience suffering. I mean, life is basically suffering. You're going to lose everybody you love at some point and yourself. And that's the part of the beauty of it all. You know, we're the only animal on earth, the only creature on earth. That's aware of the fact that we're going to die, and yet we're not walking around with constant anxiety over the fact that we're going to die. I mean, that in itself is a miracle, and we should appreciate that. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. And and it is crazy because when you are going through it, you feel so unique. You feel like no one else has ever gone through this. Like no one else. And you go on Google and you type in, "What do I do with this?" And there's an, there's like an article that tells you like this is what you do, and you're like, "Nope, I'm not the same as that." Like mine's different than that one. And you're like. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah I'm you're special. like fuck like no one in the world has ever gone through this before like this is what do i do but it is it is like like i said going in there and talking to the girl and her being like 
hey, this is very, very similar to about 90% of my patients. I was like, fuck, that alone just makes me like, all right, this is this is going to be cool. This is going to be good. Uh, it's, I'm going to get through this. Like, you know, this is another thing that, you know, people go through and, and uh, people should go, people should go and talk to someone when they do feel that like, I'm alone in this. Because that hope of someone like believing in you, if you don't feel like you have that from the people that are just in your immediate circle, is something that will at least get you through your day. But if uh, more than that will, will really help you take strides in the right direction. At least it has for me. Yeah. So has the podcast and, and your other endeavors, you know, helped you? I know, I know with me personally, Millennial Manhood as a podcast is almost a form of therapy in, in a sense. Because I just get to talk to people, I get to learn from other people's, you know, victories and failures. And it's just cool. I mean, think about it. Like right now, we're just having a conversation and I'm learning from you. And it just happens to be recorded and put out there. But with you, with your Instagram, with the pod, has any any of that helped along with the therapy to Yes. I don't know. So so my alleviate things so my so i haven't done a podcast now in about six weeks because of like i said all of that stuff and when i was going through it like i couldn't really talk about it because it would honestly give me more anxiety and my um my podcast like the reason i started it while i was in france was basically for it to be like a therapy session with like my friends just like us you know when i when i think of therapy i don't necessarily think of traditional therapy where they're like tell me about your feelings you know i think of like two guys i mean for me like with my guy friends it's like yo what the fuck's going on man how are you doing like what's up what's new don't you know so my podcast was like i want to just put out to the world like different people's stories and like how they're going through it and like different you know not necessarily like the the downs but like how did you get that success? How are you? How are you playing professional hockey? Tell me your story from there. What What are you into right now? Like that kind of stuff. And every single one of them was basically a therapy session in itself. Every one of them. Um, so to answer your question, yeah, fuck yeah, it was it was very 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 therapeutic. And I'm uh, obviously gonna keep doing it and gonna start it up again here actually this week. But um, it was it, it's it's been. It's been a beautiful thing. And I'm sure you you see that now too with your podcast. You're like, this is fucking dope. And it's really fun. Yeah, it's it's creepy. Not creepy. It's actually very flattering. But it's crazy how many messages I get from random people who I have no idea who they are. They maybe start following me on Instagram or whatever it may be. And they they send me a DM thanking me for the podcast. And I'm sitting here thinking, this isn't really that yeah. hard. I mean, it's it's a lot of work. It's a conversation. But- yeah, it's the internet. Like we just yeah, put it it's, out it's, there. It's really cool. Um, it's really cool, and that's that's a great feeling to have someone be like, "Hey, I felt what you put out there, and it helped me." Or you know, it, it, whatever your version of help is, even if it's if you're doing a podcast and it's just entertaining, like it's comedy or something, just to entertain someone, like getting a message back like that, it's it goes a long way, and it's it's a it's a cool feeling to have that happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Well, and we're running up on time here, but. You know, I always like to end the podcast with if, you know, if you could go back to 18-year-old JT, okay, and wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, ready to conquer the world, um, and you knowing all that you know right now and knowing all that you know about yourself, what's the one piece of advice you would give yourself at 18 if you could go back and talk to him? Um, Right now, I would probably say talk to the people around you about how you're actually feeling. 
like be really, really, really open to first that starts with self-awareness of you like really getting in touch with how you are feeling. Um, and this, this is to, you know, my 18 year old self was, was probably where a lot of this stuff stemmed from, but like to anybody that's 18, that is like going through something or like, you know, is having a ton of ups and downs, get in touch with what you're feeling and talk to the people that are around you that you feel open to talking to about how you're feeling and how you can handle it and how you can make the best of it rather than avoiding it. That would be what I would say to myself. I love it. Well, is there any final words you want to give to the audience? How can people get a hold of you? How can they follow you? Obviously, I'll put all that in the show notes as yeah, well, yeah. but anything you want to plug? Uh, so for me, I'm do- I do uh, workouts on Instagram, like fitness um, for everyday people. So there's a demographic of bodybuilding and CrossFit. And those are the two things that I found on Instagram that I, that was all I could find. And aside from that, that wasn't me. So my whole thing is doing workouts for people that want to get in shape and feel good about themselves and, um, and enjoy lifting, but aren't going to the gym, you know, seven days a week killing themselves. So, um, for anybody that is into working out or, you know, getting in, getting fit, you can check me out on Instagram. And then aside from that, the, the podcast is curious. Um, and that's on iTunes and Spotify and stuff like I'm sure you'll write. And the message that I would want to say is first, I fucking love all of you that are listening. I really appreciate you listening. Um, and if you have any questions, uh, please feel free to send me a message on Instagram and I appreciate you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, and obviously for anybody listening, the same pitch is always, if you got any questions, concerns, constructive criticism, the keyword is constructive. Don't complain if you don't have a solution. Okay. We ain't got time for that. If you complain, offer solution, but millennial manhood, CIP at gmail.com. Again, it's millennial manhood, CIP at gmail.com or slide in my DMS or Adam's DMS or you know, reach out to us on LinkedIn or whatever it may be. But, you know, as always, we, uh, we appreciate you guys listening and we'll talk to you guys soon.